please open up your Bibles to John chapter 8, just like last time, and flip over to verse 21. You're going to go to the New Testament, and you'll find Matthew first, and you'll flip through Mark and Luke, and then you'll find John. So John chapter 8, verse 21. I'll say it again. John chapter 8, verse 21. So as you turn there, I want to remind you of the I am statements of Christ as we continue along in the gospel according to John. We saw first, um, if you look in John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Do not work for food that perishes, but for us to work for the eternal bread. The last time we were in John, we looked at Jesus' statement that he is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not ever overcome the light based on John chapter 1. So now let's look at our passage this evening. Starting in verse 21, I'm just going to read four verses. So he said to them again, this is Jesus, and he said, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We pray with me as we continue to dig into this. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word and your word, the written word is truth. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me right now to glorify you, Lord Jesus, and hopefully that you would be working on hearts right now, that you'd be convicting us all of sin and righteousness and judgment. We just thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Give us understanding of your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Body Bauckham, there's a quote I want to share with you to start. He said, the last time I checked, the death rate was one per person. I didn't check today, but I'm sure it didn't change. It is appointed to man to die once, and then you face judgment based off Hebrews 9.27. So everyone everywhere is asking or will ask the same question. How can I avoid being defeated by that last enemy? You can't beat him. You can't buy him off. You can't appease him. You can't outrun him. You can't exercise enough or eat well enough. There is nothing you can do to, be, to avoid being overtaken by this enemy. What's the enemy? It's death. Death is inevitable. And so when the gospel, when the good news of Jesus Christ is shared, and where whoever it's shared with, no one remains the same. So the gospel to you is either a pleasing aroma, and it's beautiful, or it's the smell of death. The gospel either draws or it repels. It either softens or hardens your heart. And I can be confident because God's word says in Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose 
and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. John 10, 3 to 5, Jesus said, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from the stranger, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So I hope that by feeding the sheep this evening, the word of God, as Jesus commanded Peter, I hope that you were fed. Yet, sadly, there may be some goats among us here this evening, which breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. You don't think that, that I can't see you or the volunteers can't see you. Seeing who's actually who's dialed in and wants to be fed by the word of God compared to who's just here simply for socializing and free food and games and being around other kids, which in and of itself, those things are innocent things. But I hope that we can focus that we can look at eternal things for a second. Please question yourself. Question your motives as why you're here. I hope you're here to learn from the Word of God. This is as real as real gets because your soul's at stake. Are you a follower of Christ or are you dead in your sin? Are you saved or are you on the path to destruction and, and willfully ignorant? Are you one of the sheep or are you a goat? So look at verse 21 of our passage in John 8. Verse 21, we're going to look at it again. So Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So Jesus, while speaking to the Jewish leaders, says he will go away, which points us that, to his death, that, that he's going to die. But it also points us to the resurrection and to the ascension to be with the Father. What's amazing is that if Jesus didn't rise again from the grave, and if he didn't ascend to the right hand of God, and the ascension didn't happen, if they found his missing body, then we would have no reason to be here. There would be no Savior, and Christianity would be false. We'd be worshiping Nothing, And we of all men and women are to be pitied because we'd be living a lie. We would be living a lie. And Jews today, they still claim that his body was stolen, yet all the while they deny their own scriptures that Jesus fulfilled, proving that he is the Savior, the Messiah, they were to be preparing for. They were to be preparing for the Savior to come, yet they are the same people who crucified him. Jesus also tells the Jewish leaders the truth. He tells them, you will die in your sin. And so we've talked about multiple times, what is the payment for sin? The wages of sin is what? Can anyone tell me what the wages of sin is? Death. death. So this sin disease, this death problem, the sin nature, it's plagued all of humanity. I'm guilty. Everyone in here is guilty. Uh, in Romans, it says, for, I think in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm with you. Okay? And this is why humans die. You ever question, why do we die? Why are we not immortal? Why don't we live forever? It's because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Yet, John 3.36, Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 
So God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. And he's taking care of the sin problem. And so the righteous, holy wrath of God and the justice, it's coming due to sin and it will rain down on sinners because God is just. So we see here, where is Jesus going? He's going to be with the Father in heaven. But where is the unrepentant sinner who is not saved by Christ going? This is the bad news, which we talked about last time. Unless you know the bad news, you will not love and appreciate the good news. Would it be loving of me if I saw one of you, you know, out on the road out there, and I see some 18-wheeler just peeling through town, coming towards you, and I thought, well, I don't I don't want to offend them. I don't want to tell them about their sin. I don't want to tell them about the bad news that the truck's coming. So uh, good luck with that. Is that loving? No. I would love them by tackling that person out of the way. Jude describes it as snatching them, snatching them out. So we see Jesus right here. He's being merciful to the Jewish leaders by telling them the truth. He told them the truth. You will die in your sin. It's like, for example, if you had a doctor and this doctor told you, you have cancer. You have cancer. That is not cruel for the doctor to tell you the truth. If you had cancer, you would want your doctor to inform you, especially if there is a cure. Now, there may not be a cure for cancer, but there is a cure for your sin debt. There is a cure for you to be justified, to be made right before God, who is holy, so you can stand there forgiven, which we're going to talk about a little bit more here shortly. Now let's look at verse 22, if you'll look back in your Bibles. Verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. In verse 22, the Jewish leaders, they were in complete denial, and this is actually mockery. They were thinking Jesus would commit suicide because Jesus said he was going away and where he was going that they could not come. And so they rejoiced. (laughs) They were mocking him. And so if the world mocked our Savior, what do you think the world will do to those who are in the Savior? They will mock you. They will mock you. They will hate you. You will, instead of being going along with everyone and the peer pressure and committing sin and dragging others down, you're going to be mocked. You're going to hear someone say, oh, look, here comes Timothy, the born again one. Here's Sally the Saints. They're going to make fun of you. You know, it's really funny. They, they called Todd when he was in school. They called him Pastor Todd as a joke. And uh, when I was given compulsion to go preach the gospel when I was in high school around your guys' age. I was like 17. Uh, I was in a pretty bad place. I uh, uh, struggled with addiction, uh, drugs, alcohol, stuff like that. And uh, the Lord Jesus, he saved me. He gave me grace. He gave me purpose. And uh, unfortunately, when my supposed friends, quote-unquote, my friends found out, they said, oh, so now you're a believer and you want to go, you, you want to go preach the gospel? You, you're not good enough. You got a lot of change to do. You won't be able to do that. I even got called over and over and over a piece of crap, but it was more of the explicit. Yeah, there may be some truth in that. 
I am not good enough, nor will I ever be. I preach the Word of God, which is infallible. I'm fallible, okay? The gospel message is perfect. I'm not. And I'm not what I ought to be, but I praise Jesus for saving me, and I'm not what I once was. When you were born again, He who saved you, He will also sanctify you and cause you to grow in a relationship with Him, to grow in holiness, to grow in righteousness and obedience. Christians will be mocked. You know, I, I got asked by a kid once in school, hey man, you know, if, if, I, uh, if I believe in this Jesus you're talking about, does that mean that I, I can't have sex with my girlfriend? Does that mean that we can't smoke weed together, that we can't get drunk together anymore? That I can't lie about people, that I can't gossip, I can't watch porn, etc. If you've been really born again, and God's grace is beautiful to you, why would you play with a thing that Jesus died to pay for? Charles Spurgeon, an old 1800s preacher, he said, If Christ has died for me, then I cannot trifle with the sin which killed my best friend. So the mocking by the Jewish leaders and their willful ignorance would lead to them dying in their sins. Another problem is that they believed in this thing called legalism. They believed that their works could save them. They claimed in John 7, 20 even, that Jesus was a demon. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Notice that they said in that, they said the word do, do, and do. Haven't I done all these things? Haven't I done all these things? That's why I'm made right with God. It becomes all about works. No, we are saved and made right before God simply due to Christ's sacrificial work. It's a gift. It's been given to you. You can't earn it. It is by grace you have been saved. By forgiveness you don't deserve. This is the gift of God. You have been given so much grace. So much grace to the point, when we're talking about eternity here, Jesus himself is preparing a room for all of his sheep. So you have a future you have eternal hope. You get to be with Christ and be with all the other sheep forever. And you get to enjoy Christ forever if you are in Christ. So what a joy it is to know that we will get to enjoy Christ and be in relationship with him now forever. That's hard to comprehend. And that you will get to experience the new creation. It'll be like it was in the beginning with Adam and Eve. Everything will be good. There will be no more sin, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering ever again. Complete perfection forever. And you will get to be reunited with loved ones or friends who have died that were in Christ. You get to worship with them together. Christ and his bride, which is us, his church, we will be together. There's gifts that have been given to us that we don't deserve. But... On top of all of those things, I think we need to remember 
how much that we have been forgiven. So many people deal with anxiety and they deal with worrying about things. Did you know, fun fact, that when you remind yourself of what you're thankful for, when you have gratitude, when you have thanksgiving, that helps battle your anxiousness. Every day, you can wake up and thank God that He's forgiven you of your sins. That you've been washed by the blood of Christ. And so if someone ever comes up to you and puts a weight of legalism on you, just know that Jesus has removed that weight. He's removed that weight. You have been given unearned and undeserved grace. For the legalists, there's no pleasing them, okay? With a person that says, you don't do enough, that you're, you're not perfect. Yes, I'm not. But he isn't either. Okay? So many people too will say, I don't go to church or I don't go maybe to, this is a little church, a youth group. I won't go because everyone there is judgmental. Everyone there is so perfect. Everyone there is a hypocrite. Well, you can always say to that person, well, we could always use another one. We could always use another hypocrite with us. The legalists will boast of how much that they've done for God as if God even needs your help. If anything we do is righteous, if you see any obedience in your life, if you see, if you have any desire to share the gospel with somebody and to glorify God, or if you've grown in sanctification, which I said sanctification earlier, which simply means that you're growing in holiness, you are to boast in the Lord because he is producing that in you through the Holy Spirit working on your heart. If there's any desire to obey, praise the Holy Spirit for creating that hunger. And if you're not hungry, pray that the Holy Spirit would transform your heart to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Grace is not opposed to effort. Many say, I, I want to feel God, yet what do you do on the days that you don't want to spend time with Him in prayer? What do you do on those days where you don't want to read the Bible? Maybe some of you don't even read it at all. What do you do on those days where you don't want to share the gospel with somebody? A fruit of, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Many, unfortunately, have relegated Christ to just an out-of-body experience that confirms their faith. It's just based on pure emotionalism or manipulation. When Jesus and the apostles shared the gospel with others... Do you think that they had a guitar and they played the same chorus over and over and over and over until someone finally, we're going to keep playing that song, we're going to lower the temperature, we're going to get glitter and put it in the air ducts and make it seem like it's the Holy Spirit until someone finally yells out that they believe. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Why are we here? Romans 1, 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the gospel, the good news of Christ dying in a sinner's place, bearing the wrath of God and rising three days later. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We are to trust in the gospel. So my question for the legalistic works-based salvation people is, tell me that how much that you've contributed to your salvation. If our salvation was 99% Jesus and 1% us, we would fail 
100% of the time. We can't earn it. And I would also ask to the person that, that puts on the weight of legalism on somebody, what do, you, what do you do if you have this standard of perfection? What do we do with the cross if you can earn your way to be right with God? What do we do with the cross? They make the gospel into nothing, and they substitute the perfect spotless lamb of God, and they relegate it to not being effective, that we have to do the work. How awful to go up to God and to go up to Christ who's wailing on the cross and you go up to him and you say, you know, that sacrifice, that's not enough. How prideful can you be? Jesus who justifies you makes you right before God. Jesus who sanctifies you, he grows you in holiness and obedience. He holds on to you. And ultimately when you die, he will glorify. You will be glorified with a new body. You cannot lose your salvation. The power of the Holy Spirit who gave you life will also glorify the Son and remind you of the gospel so that you can persevere. You can remind yourself if you've been born again, Romans 8.30, and those whom he predestined, he has called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. Yet the Jewish leaders thought they could earn it. And this is still a problem today. Now let's look at our final two verses, 23 to 24. Jesus said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So verse 24, if you didn't notice, it ties right back into verse 21. Jesus proclaims to the Jews the truth. Why did he tell them that they're from below? They are from the world. They are full of sin. They are walking on the wide path that leads to destruction, whereas Jesus was walking in complete, perfect, righteous obedience to God the Father. And we cannot attain sinless perfection on this side of eternity because we're still locked within what? Our flesh. But the born-again Christian, you should desire to be holy. You should desire to be obedient. And you should desire to be righteous. Why? That's the question. Why? Due to the gift of salvation God has given us through Christ's sacrifice, we are commanded to be witnesses. We are to share the gospel to all people, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them to observe and obey all Christ has commanded us. We are to love God. And we are to love others with the truth. How can we live for Christ if we're living in willful sin? Philippians 2.12 says we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Did you know Satan wants to kill you? Satan wants to steal. He wants to kill and he wants to destroy. My old youth pastor, he said it well. He said... So when you spread the gospel, when you share the good news with somebody, you start a chain link that can spread like wildfire, which is why so many believed when Peter preached to the early church. Thousands came to repent and believe. That chain link reaction can happen when you share the good news with someone. But you know, Satan doesn't want you to do that. Satan hates grace. Satan hates the gospel. He doesn't understand grace. He wants you to die in your sin. He won't want to stop you from starting that chain link reaction. Now, with the way that you live your life, would you rather obey 
our holy God, our Lord and our Savior, who has attained victory for us and given us grace upon grace, would you rather live for Christ or would you rather obey the defeated Satan? Live in sin, die in sin, or go to Christ and ask the Holy Spirit to create in you a transformed, born-again heart that desires holiness, righteousness, and for the power to share the gospel with others. So, why obey? We're commanded to. And second, as simply, we love because he first loved us. Jesus loved you before he created the foundation of the world. He loved you. So due to Christ's sacrifice, I want my life to be a sacrifice for his glory. I want to live for him. I want to be fully submitted to his will because of what he's done for me, because of who he is. And I want my life to be lived for purpose with eternal hope, for eternal things, not for things that perish, not for things that are temporary. Don't you want your name to be in the book of life? Not in the books of man that are all going to fade away to dust and ashes that will mean nothing. So many want to live for a legacy on this earth. But we must live with the eternal perspective daily. And when you do that, you'll have peace and joy. Because every single day you'll be reminded that your king, your shepherd, your savior, your friend, your Lord, that he lives. Charles Spurgeon, he said that when you wake up in the morning, you hear the birds singing, right? You hear the birds in the morning. The birds in the morning praise every time when you wake up. When you hear the birds praising, I want you to be reminded that when you wake up, to praise your Savior, to live for Him. Okay? It's not perfection. It's direction. Okay? It's direction, not perfection. So I want you to take that decisive step of faith and go to the narrow gate. Don't go to the wide gate that leads to destruction, but instead to deny yourself, to die to yourself, to take up your cross and follow Christ. And that may look like a few things. That may look like standing firm in what you believe when everyone wants to believe a lie, to be righteous and obedient, even though everyone else is indulging in sin, they want you to participate. Yet, you do not participate, you're going to be hated. Yet, Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I'm probably assuming too much, but I assume most of you have heard the the story of Noah and the ark, right? Noah and the ark, the flood, the big boat, right? All the animals, one of each kind. You guys heard Noah and the ark, okay? Yet in Sunday school, it's painted in this little book. It's some, you know, cute little vlog where they went on a, they went on a yacht and they, they had a good time. And, you know, and it's all sunshine and rainbows. Yet uh, in reality, Noah, when he built the ark, it took him a long time. It took him a hundred years. Okay. And that whole time, Noah was mocked. What are you doing building that? Are you insane? Are you insane that you believe in Jesus Christ? And the same people that were helping him build it did not believe in the coming judgment. Does this sound familiar to you? Yet God had grace on Noah and he had grace on humanity by preserving humanity from demonic 
sexual activity that was going on at the time. The animals, Noah and his family, were saved. But you know what's not shared about this story? What's not shared is when God closed the ark, he closed the door, right? Those very same people who mocked Noah and hated God, they were not in the ark. So imagine you're in the ark and you're hearing the screaming, the scratching against the boat to get in, then weeping and gnashing of teeth and the intense regret and the amount of death that happened on the outside of the ark. Yet eternal death is the fate for those who are not born again, who are not in Christ the way that Noah and his family were in the ark. Okay, Cults and false religions will say Jesus was just a man. They'll claim that he is not the Savior, that he is not God, that he's just a prophet, or maybe he's just an angel. But you must believe Jesus is God, that he is your Savior and Lord. The question, will you die in your sin and pay for them forever and bear your sins yourself in hell, separated from God? Or will you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the I am? That's claiming that he is God, okay? He's the only God. He's the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, one God, three distinct persons. And the good news is Jesus paid it all. So if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, that you feel guilty of it, then praise God because the Holy Spirit is working that on your heart. Why don't you listen to him, turn from your sin, follow Christ and share him with others. I challenge you this week. Why don't you spend some time with Christ? How can, you, how can you share Christ with somebody if you don't even know the gospel, if you don't even know who he is? Spend time with him. Spend time in prayer. Hear from him in his word. And then you'll be better equipped soldiers to go out into the mission field and to share the truth with others who are perishing that will die in their sin. There's one last passage. We're just about to finish up. I know we've hit our 30-minute mark. There's one last passage. If you want to flip to it, you can. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're just gonna, I just want to read this passage as we close. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, a.k.a. Satan the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that is not, this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them grace driven obedience and Vadi Bakum's second quote he said but Jesus Christ's resurrection 
When Jesus rose again, the resurrection says that you can overcome the enemy that we talked about to begin with. You can overcome death, okay? Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, when you stand over a believer, it's not the same as standing over an unbeliever. Because when you stand over a believer, you know that because of his union with Christ, his federal head, he will rise just as Christ rose from the dead. There is a resurrection coming. So the sting of death, the sting of death is is gone. Death's victory is defeated. So are you dead in your sin or are you alive in Christ and you believe that he is the great I am, that Jesus is God wrapped in flesh? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful to be able to read your word, which is truth. I'm just so thankful that you would bring in everyone in here this evening and that we can have fellowship and that we can rejoice together that death has been defeated, that you have conquered it, and that we have eternal hope because of the resurrection, and that we can look to the cross and we can know that, yeah, we have fallen short of your glory, that we're not holy, that we have sinned, but we can know that our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, all because of you, Jesus, and what you have done, that you bore our sins on the cross. And because, God, that you are holy and just, you rained down your wrath on Jesus, and he was killed in my place, in all of your sheep's place. And that we, the death that should be our death, it's been paid in full. Our fine has been paid. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would be convicting hearts of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and that they would be in Christ, that they would be like Noah in the ark before the wrath, and before, so that they don't die in their sins, but instead that their sins would be paid for, that your righteousness would be imputed to them, and that they could know and rejoice that, that their sins, that they were nailed onto the cross. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would just do what only you can do and change hearts, transform hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.